Amy Ingerbretson here, professional skier, dog mom, cat lover, podcaster, and your host for Warren Miller Entertainment's Long Underwear. In this podcast, we are sitting down with world-class athletes and industry legends. Nothing is off limits except for one rule. After introductions, there will be no more mentions of skiing or snowboarding allowed. We are stripping off the layers and getting to know the skiers and riders underneath the gear. Welcome to Long Underwear. Hey everybody, welcome to Long Underwear. Um, this is the season finale of season two, and today on the podcast I am joined by Jeffrey Tiger Holmes, more commonly known as JT Holmes. JT, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. It's actually <laughs> Jeffrey Taggart Holmes Jr. Jr. I didn't know that. Yep. Okay. I already learned something new. There you go. I Congratulations. I knew you for a long time. I did not know it that JT stood for something, and then when I learned it, I was like, oh, that's, that's pretty cool. Does your family call you Jeffrey or nope. JT? Nobody, Nobody does. Me. No, I've been JT my whole life because my dad had already claimed Jeff. Nice. Well, my dad's name is Jeff, and he's Jeffrey when he's in trouble. So mm. if you're ever in trouble, I'll call you Jeffrey. Um, yeah, so where are we? We're at your house in Squaw right now. Yep. And you grew up in the Bay. You skied here. I know you from here. And this weekend, you competed in the Red Bull Raid, and I actually got to judge you this weekend. Yes, you did judge me. <laughs> we were just talking about Thank this. you for squeaking me onto that podium. Well. I believe I earned it. <laughs> you did earn it. You sent China well in very marginable conditions, um, which I'm glad somebody did because— I wanted some entertainment down there. And I did say, you got third place, and I did make it very clear that I would accept bribes in the form of kittens, mm. and I got no kittens. So yep. I scored, I judged fair. All right. So, yes, congratulations. Um, GT, how many Warren Miller movies have you been in? I believe the answer is six. That's a lot. Mm-hmm. What, um, you've been in a couple here at Squaw. Yep. And then Chamonix, uh, and where two, else? We did two Squaw segments, one Ski Tahoe oh. section. Uh, like segment. everywhere? Yeah. So we... Like heavenly and stuff? We skied, we skied everywhere. Cool. We skied Squaw. We skied Alpine. We skied Sugar Bowl. We skied um, Heavenly. We skied just about everything. Uh, nice. It was Ski Lake Tahoe. Ski Lake Tahoe. Uh, and then... Um, Chamonix, right? Yep. Chamonix. Speed Switzerland. Five. That's five. And then the sixth would be um, the first one I ever did, which was in 1995 at Mount Bachelor, Oregon. How old were you? I was 14, I believe. Wow. Yeah. So that was That was, was called fairly Snow exciting. Riders. Yeah. Yeah. Were- Very exciting. Um, Chris Patterson was the cinematographer. And uh, so it's kind of cool for us because we still have worked together in recent years. And even uh, we're very close to having a trip come together this year. Um, but, you know, to have that be 24 years ago is uh it's hard to believe that um you know we've had so many good times and since then yeah cp is awesome mm-hmm. i got to work with him for the first time last year in iceland um and other than that i've worked with uh tom day a bunch who yep always a pleasure to work with tom day yeah it's pretty cool because tom day basically taught my dad how to be a filmer yeah so. and your dad i don't know if you know this but your dad taught me a lot about skiing yeah, well, he has – I want to hear it from your perspective because, like, my dad claims that, like, you would, like, wait for him at the bottom of KT and, like, take runs with him after school and stuff. It's true. Yeah. Yeah, for some reason, we both – every single day, we're, we're skiing to the bell at KT22. Um, maybe it was his work schedule or whatever, but for me, it was a school schedule, and I had uh, an hour and a half, typically, in late spring to ski after school, and midwinter, I had – 
many more ski hours uh, with my Squaw Valley Academy boarding school school schedule. Um, but your dad and I ended up being afternoon ski partners, and I'm not sure that he was teaching me as much as explaining the experimentation he was doing with his own turns. And I would follow and be cognizant of of um, these different things. I remember he was talking about turning without applying forward pressure on the tongue, but just, just letting it angulate and, you know, popping 360s off cat tracks and um, generally just getting a lot, of, a, lot, a lot of runs. Yeah, they were, they were helicopters. <laughs> um, but, you know, just remember your dad telling yeah. me, like, what he was spotting on during his 360s. And huh. there's a lot of just different technical things that your dad taught me that I would then just go and think about when I'd ski on my own. Yeah. And I, yeah, I wasted a lot of afternoons away with your dad before you were around. Yeah. Well, no, I was around. I was just tiny. Yeah. Too tiny to ski KT. Although I skied KT pretty young. But uh, yeah, no, my dad's still my favorite ski partner. And he definitely analyzes all of it. So it gives lots of good advice. Mm -hmm. Do you have, of all your times with Warren Miller, do you have a favorite trip or segment or moment or like memorable Thing. Like, is it cooler filming here on your home mountain, or is it cooler going somewhere exotic? Both skiing at my home mountain for Warren Miller and going somewhere exotic have their benefits. They're both awesome. Jeez, mm-hmm. um, I they're all it's just all they're all so there's so many highlights. Yeah, um, we hit Chamonix really good once, and being with Warren Miller, we got to hang out with just kind of an all all time crew. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're just connected. Mm-hmm. And so I got to see a side of Chamonix that I'd never seen before um, and share it with, with some people who've become friends. So that's cool. And, um, yeah, and then, of course, skiing at home, you have the advantage of familiar terrain and uh, just kind of a comfort level that helps you to perform as a, as a skier. And um, we luckily hit Squaw Valley really well. Um, when we were filming yeah. here, so yeah, film stuff that you've skied a million times is always nice. Yeah, and it's also nice to um, to sleep in your own bed. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. That said, it's um, when we were filming for Warren Miller here, we we decided at a certain point that in order to get the segment to be tip top, we needed to treat it like it was a film trip. Mm-hmm. As in, you know, you're 100 percent committed mm-hmm. for a block of dates. Mm-hmm. Um, and eliminating distractions. There's mm-hmm. no dentist office. There's no babysitting. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. all about doing this, getting it done. And that puts you in a situation where you can get sunsets and sunrises and um, everything in between. And it, yeah. it really worked well. I mean, that is a cool thing. Like, I've never filmed a Warren Miller segment anywhere I've lived. I just go on these trips, and it's all you think about, all you focus on. Yeah. So it's nice. Well, let's not talk about skiing anymore. How do you feel about that? Okay. Okay, I call it the S word, and if you say it, you owe me cookies. Okay. The other day, Johnny said the S word a lot, and he owes me like 17 wildflower cookies. So There you go. Yeah. Okay, Long Underwear listeners, moving forward, there's going to be no more mention of the S word. But first, we are going to take a quick break to hear from one of our partners. Hi, I'm meteorologist Joel Gratz with Open Snow. Did you ever want to phone a weather forecaster to get advice on where you'll find the best snow next week? Or really, just to know which day to call in sick at work? Well, you don't need to call a forecaster because you can simply read the daily snow on Open Snow. Our local forecasters give you their take about where and when to find the best powder. 
Go to opensnow.com or download the OpenSnow app on iPhone or Android and look for the daily snow forecasts. Okay, here we go. First question, we are here at your house and you have so many stairs. <laughs> How many stairs do you have to get up to your house? 98 stairs from the street to the kitchen. That's ridiculous. Do you factor this into like your fitness planning or is this just like extra bonus for your life? Like, have you noticed like an improvement in your glutes since you moved in here? It's interesting. The, I can hike up this entire mountain behind my house, which is about 1300 vertical feet. Mm -hmm. And it seems to me, I don't get nearly as winded as I do going up my own (laughs) stairs. It's, uh, I also sometimes will wake up feeling sore and I'm thinking, geez, I didn't really do too much yesterday. Yeah, but that's right. I did bring stuff up and down to the garage a whole bunch. Yeah. So. Well, that's kind of nice. Yeah, it is. Like a built-in leg workout. Yeah, and there's a switchback driveway that's currently buried underneath several feet of Squaw Valley snow. Yeah. But uh, three seasons of the year, I have a driveway that then makes it only 16 steps to the kitchen and another 20 inside. I didn't know that. Yeah, so it's... That makes a difference. It makes a big difference. Yeah. I just, like, think about coming home from a trip and heavy luggage. Yeah, that's that's a thing. Yeah, totally. Um, So you kind of recently, I don't know how recently, you're super into racing trucks and cars and Baja stuff, and I don't know anything about it. Sure. What are you doing out there? Um, I've been racing the SCORE International Series, which is host to the world-renowned Baja 1000 and Baja 500. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've actually been a desert racer my entire life. My dad and my uncle got into it in the early 80s. Um, by the time I was 11 and 12, I was uh, sitting in the navigator seat. And when I was 16, I started to drive. Uh, we were racing Volkswagen Beetles back then mm-hmm. and eventually moved on it, in to... In the Baja races? In the yeah, desert races? Wow. Yeah, Volkswagen, Baja Bugs. Wow. Um, you know, these were $10,000 race cars and fairly affordable mm-hmm. because parts were cheap and all that. But so we, I began racing those and then uh, moved on to trucks, uh, kind of whatever my dad had or whatever my uncle had. And, and you know, I was a lot in the, in the right seat being the navigator. And then now I... I have my own race car, which is a Polaris RZR, and... Those are kind of like the side-by-side type? Yeah, it's okay. a side-by-side or a UTV, they call it, and it's four-wheel drive. It's very lightweight, uh, automatic transmission, belt-driven, extremely user-friendly to drive, mm-hmm. um, very capable. Lightweight and four-wheel drive is an amazing combination for off-road driving. There are things where those big, heavy, powerful trucks are struggling, and our players razors just walk right up it. Yeah. With the kind of races you do those, is it all like just like high speed racing or is there any element of like the like technical terrain and stuff like that? There's everything in Baja. Uh, We have mountains, uh, beaches, sandy beaches, rocky beaches, hot, brutal desert sections um, with, you know, cactuses and incredible dust and silt and very challenging conditions. And what time of year is this going on? Uh, race, there's four races a year. And oh. so it's early March, early June, mid-September, and mid-November. Hmm. But it's all about that mid-November Baja 1000. That's that's yeah. really the pinnacle of it all. And do you do that all in one push? I am very good with endurance behind the wheel. I, How long does that take? Um, it depends, but... Uh, for instance, in 2017, I won the 
Baja 500 in a Polaris RGR, and my time was 16 hours and 20 minutes, I think. And you stay awake for all that? Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's easy to stay awake, actually. Well, yeah, but... Yeah. I drink Red Bull and water together in a, in a water bottle. Yeah. Hydration system in the car. Huh. And just 50-50. And do you stop to pee and stuff? I wear an external catheter. So wow. it's a condom catheter. Wow. So you're peeing out the pant leg by your foot and just onto the floor of the race car, which is filthy anyways. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. It's committed. Yeah, it's... <laughs> yeah, it's... it's and the girls wear diapers. I was going to say, what do girls do? They have some sort of like she-we adapted. They, they, wear, they wear diapers. Nice. Wow. Gosh, that's committed. Um, I didn't know that. I thought you would like take breaks and there was like sections. Like, you know, you'll also, in a race, you might, you'll get out of the car for some reason. Mm -hmm. If you have a perfect race, you don't get out of the car at all, which Right, because like mechanical You're just stuff. stopping for fuel um, and you keep going. Mm -hmm. And that I've found is fairly rare for a long race. Usually you're going to have to get out and do something, change an axle, fix a flat. Yeah. Um, do you have like a team or is it just you? We do have, you still a, race with yeah. So I'm, I race BF Goodrich tires and the wonderful thing about racing with BFG is they provide pit support. Okay. And they do that not just to their sponsored drivers, but to anybody who's using their tires. Wow. So you know, your obvious choice when you go buy a UTV tire yeah. is if you go with BFG, you also have an 18-wheel semi-truck in the middle of the desert waiting yeah. to weld yeah. on your race yeah. car or whatever. Wow. So uh, we we race BFG and do pit support through them. They fuel us up in the middle of the desert. They go through great lengths to, to make it all happen. Wow. And I don't know if you ever noticed on a BFG tire, it'll say Baja Champion, and they put that on there only after that tire itself has won the Baja 1000. Hmm. So, you know, it's the exact same tires you buy at your tire shop. And uh, they've, they've actually won that race. Well, that's crazy. Yeah, it's kind of cool. It's pretty, you know, a lot of, there's a lot of ways to support your athletes. And that one is very hands-on. Yeah. Yeah. Seriously, but supporting consumers as well. Well, yeah, didn't know anything about that, so now, now I do. Do you still have Rosebud? You're... I still have Rosebud. Actually, I was going to go pick her up today. Yeah? Mm -hmm. Rosebud is? Rosebud is my 1970 Volkswagen Beetle. And Is it convertible? Nope. No. It's hard top. It has a sunroof, which uh, no longer works. <laughs> and um, luckily, it's closed Yeah. and sealed, so that's good, but... Um, it's a family member in that my grandfather bought it new in the fall of 1969 for his daughter, my aunt. And I, uh, since it, it then passed through the family and I have since, uh, become the proud owner of it. Who named it Rosebud? My grandpa's name was Bud. Oh. And the car is, red. A, yeah, deep red. Yeah. yeah. Makes sense. Uh -huh. Love it. Love it. It's a Citizen Kane. It's the Rosebud. Right. Yeah. I've heard that. You haven't seen it. I have only watched it because I went to film school and I sure. had to watch it like a million times and, um, and blasphemy, I guess, in the film world. But I don't, wouldn't say you need to see it. Mm -hmm. okay. <laughs> um, okay. Something else that most people probably kind of know about you, but again, maybe don't know that much, is you're a stuntman. Mm -hmm. You were like certified or how do you call it? Right. Um, Did you go I to like stuntman school? I have various certifications, uh, such as from the motion picture driving clinic, where you learn to 
the tricks of the trade of, of driving for the camera. Mm-hmm. And there is not actually specific schools for, mm-hmm. for to become a stuntman, but um, it helps to have a bunch of various certifications. You know, even something as simple as a motorcycle license, license yeah. helps. Yeah. Um, do you, is it part of like the SAG program or is that yes. separate? Yeah, I'm a Screen Actors Guild member. And do you have to have that to be a stuntman? To work on... Big films. Yeah, to work on um, SAG productions, which you know, any big commercial shoot or any yeah. big Hollywood shoot, it would be a SAG production. I was uh, when we were just in Bella Coola, we were uh, we had some Volkswagens up there that we were mm. filming, and uh, I was working with Jeff Wright, who all of us have worked on car commercials together, including mm-hmm. yourself. And I was like, "Watch out, JT! I'm coming for your job!" Because I was I was pretty good at my really good fake stunt driving. Yeah. Yep. I was That's wearing cool. black and everything, you know, mm-hmm. like you're supposed to. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, so I was thinking you would. So you, I mean, the project I know the most that about what you've done because I was living in Chicago for part of it was the mm-hmm. Transformers project. Yep. And how, what I guess maybe like you can tell me a little bit more about that, but then also like what other bigger projects have you done as a stuntman? So Transformers Three: Dark of the Moon was my first real stunt job, mm-hmm. and it was. An absolute dream because we got to storm the castle as far as Chicago was concerned. Any base jumper would love to jump off the biggest skyscrapers in North America, and we got to do it legally in the daytime. We did it with and without wingsuits. We also jumped helicopters out, jumped from helicopters and flew through um, the city with you know buildings on our right and left doing S-turn lines and whatnot. Uh, that got me into the Screen Actors Guild, which led to me being eligible for all sorts of jobs. So I immediately went to the motion picture driving clinic and started getting some driving jobs and also aerial stunt coordinating for movies and commercials. I did Fast and Furious 7, hmm. Hangover 3, Godzilla, Hangover. Amazing Spider-Man 2. Um, most recently, there's a movie out in theaters right now called The Mustang, and I am a prison guard. Wow. Um, and I apparently have a line that made the movie. Um, I think it was, freeze my <laughs> Good and, job. Good delivery. And uh, <laughs> then coming out soon is is another movie called Running with the Devil, where I uh, did some stunt work and also had some dialogue with Nick Cage. Wow. So, yeah, it's it's fun to make Hollywood make JT movies. coming coming in hot. I had no idea. I guess that these are all like action movies, which uh, admittedly I never watch. <laughs> right. <laughs> but maybe I'll try Mustang. Yeah, well, Hangover Three is a comedy. Yeah, Hangover the Mustang Three is. What did you do in Hangover drama. Three? I think I saw. There that. was a scene where the little Asian guy Chow jumps out of off of a casino in Las Vegas, flies a parachute all through the city. Oh. I coordinated that scene. Oh. Um, I'm, I'm too tall to stunt double him. So yeah. I just coordinated all the aerial stuff. Wow. Yeah. I had no idea. That's real awesome. Fun, real fun. It's awesome. I'm a, more of a rom-com person and there's not a lot of stunt work in rom-coms. So, but let me know if you're okay. ever in some of those romantic comedies. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you'd be, you'd do good in those. <laughs> no, I will never be in them. I don't think I can act for, for baloney, but, um, wow. I had no idea. It was so, um. So many. I, all I knew about was Transformers. Mm-hmm. So cool. Um, okay, so I want to know what the f- your favorite part of like a normal day is, and that's a day when you're just at home. You're not on a trip for 
any of your careers, maybe mm-hmm. day like today until I came and interrupted your piece. Mm. Like, what's your favorite part of just being normal at home, JT? It's when I go outside and get to play. So mm-hmm. the the reason that we are professional athletes is for the experiences and for the days where we get to play our afternoons away and or enjoy great conditions or whatever the mountain might be offering. And so I consider those my paydays mm-hmm. um, rather than when I go to the mailbox and, and find a check. Yeah. So I try to make sure that I get myself paid, <laughs> which can be as simple as putting on my boots and heading out the door. Yeah. And <clears throat> yeah. Well, you can, you can bike right from your door. You, I know you scramble up the tram face all the time and yeah, I mean, lucky. that's why know, Tahoe is so wonderful. Yeah, Reno Tahoe is a wonderful place to live. Mm-hmm. You're one of the first people to teach me how to mountain bike basically. You're one of the first people to allow me to mountain bike with you when I first got my bike. <laughs> And I was terrible. And thankfully, you were kind of slow at climbing at the time. So uh, yeah. I didn't totally die. Yeah, I'm pretty conservative on a, on, on a mountain bike. I don't really like to jump it on the way down. Mm-hmm. I like to, you know, it's fun to go fast, feel some speed. But yeah, I grew up on dirt bikes. And yeah. if I really want to go fast, I'll, I'll ride a dirt bike. Because you have stationary pegs and boots and pads. And, yeah. You know. I still suck at mountain biking. I haven't gotten any better in the last <laughs> decade or whatever since I, I started. But... Um, I still like it. Yeah. I'm not quite as bad as I used to be. There you go. Um, nice. So I want to know <laughs> if you could have a superpower, what would it be? Because everybody's normal answer to this question is, oh my God, flying. But you already fly. And you already have a lot of superpower type skills. So if you could have a superpower. Time travel. Time travel. Time travel would be my 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 superpower without a question. To go back or forward or both? Both. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, mostly... I suppose it would be best to be able to go back because then you could have a redo. Yeah. You know, you could really ski some stuff if you if you had infinite chances <laughs> at it. <laughs> no S word, but yes. Right. I oh, think because I think time travel me. into the future would be kind of um, like even if I could, I don't know if I would. Right. Like right. I don't know if I no- want to know what is going to happen. That's true. Right. Mm-hmm. Like it, m- it might be nice, but then it also might be horrible. You don't know. Yeah, but I would time travel. Yeah. I don't think I, I, you know, invincibility or uh, invisibility, excuse me. Um, that would, that's just a little creepy. Yeah, I was going to say that would just be creepy. Yeah. Invincibility. Invincibility might be nice. You don't know that nice. you want to live forever. No, but it might be nice to like never get hurt. Like right. just know you could just, oh, yeah. That would be really interesting. Yeah. Imagine that if you just went, would be based, like, went based on without parachutes. Just Well, you could just be like, it'd be like living life completely wrapped in like bubble wrap, but like without the bubble wrap, you'd mm-hmm. be fine. Yeah, that's a, that's a good one. Could go. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Time travel makes makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. I've gotten some funny answers on that. Julian Carr said that he uh, would want to be able to understand every single language in the world. Hmm. I was like, wow, good answer. But not speak it? Well, speak it and understand it and communicate. So like he could just be able to communicate with basically any person ever. Yeah, that'd be right. That's, that's a very good answer. I think he might win. Yeah. Nope, Dash wins. He wanted to be a trash compacting uh, whale that swam around the oceans and cleaned up the oceans for the rest of the world. <laughs> okay. Good for, good for Dash. That was my answer. Good for Dash. Um, JT, do you have any guilty pleasures or what's like your number one guilty pleasure? Um, Maybe like the um, PG-13 version because Lexi's no, answer to this was my guilty, rated R. My guilty, I am guilty of uh, online shopping. Really? Uh, yeah, but that doesn't sound like it sounds. It sounds girlier, went up, and I, I'm like looking for 
you know, various discontinued parachutes that you can't find or, you know, some sort of piece of gear for my Polaris Razor that's all custom. Somewhere like, like eBay and Just wherever. Forums. Things that I'm looking at or surfboard or. You buy a yeah, surfboard online? Whatever. It seems what, like the most inconvenient No, you're finding thing. something on Craigslist. Oh, okay. I find that in the morning, and, and a lot of Holmeses do this, my dad and my uncle, we wake up and, you know, we like search classifieds first thing in the morning while we drink coffee. And, uh, yeah, I think that that's, uh, that's a guilty pleasure of mine. What's like the best thing you've time. ever bought? I also, I also have a, uh, I have a thing for books. I, 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 it's not I'm one books of these good. guys that when it says also suggested for you on, Oh, you cannot buy <laughs> readers it. of this like this. <laughs> and then sometimes I just, I'll, I'll get the mail and I'm like, Oh boy, I went a little overboard the other night, didn't I? Yeah. yeah. But, you know. But some, that makes you read, so that doesn't feel right. like that's a good thing in yeah. my book. Some people have far less healthy uh, late night activities. Um, Fair enough. What's the What's the best or weirdest thing you've bought online, like through classifieds or whatever? <laughs> oh, geez. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's a tough one. I'd have to think about I, I You know, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't purchase that much. I'm smart with there. my money. But, um, you know, I, when I look and think, oh, geez, I, you know. I've procrastinated or whatever. It's, it's you know, I'm looking for these, these, kind of niche pieces of gear. It's windy outside. Mm-hmm. House is gonna blow down. Um, interesting. I am very bad at classified shopping specifically. So maybe next time I'll hit you up for some tips. I was trying to find like a snowmobile trailer this year, and I just decided I hate Craigslist. Mm. And it was just felt like the endless mouse hole. But maybe yeah. that's what you like about it. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Uh, like I said, it's a little bit of a guilty pleasure, but you know, I, I do. Uh, I do have all the right gear. Yeah, you know, I, I you know I am a multi-sport athlete, so. Well, you have your takes, snowmobile precariously perched on the slope out here. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> it's like teetering on the edge on like a snowbank pointed for the road. It is. Seems like your afternoon project to deal with that. I would love to see how you're going to deal with that. Actually, I know it's just getting more and more precarious, but we'll solve it. It's on a steep slope. Um, what is the best uh, or most significant lesson or life lesson you've ever learned? Uh, I'd say optimism. I think that that's one of the most important things in life, and I've had some some times when optimism proved to be very difficult. Um, no, where it proved to be what was the massive contributor to a positive outcome. Yeah. Hmm. Um, and I think that if it was a missing ingredient, that, that maybe my life would be a lot different. Do you think that like just having baseline all the time optimism is what you're talking about? Or like do you feel like you have to make an effort to be optimistic and make a choice? I think that you should, in any given situation, always be able to recognize what there is to be optimistic about. And I think that sometimes it's easy to overlook certain, certain things. For example, when I was buried in an avalanche, I was able to mentally note what I had, what positives there were. Mm-hmm. One was I had mountain guides. Mm-hmm. Two, they had seen me. Mm-hmm. Three, they were uphill from me. Four, I was the only one in the avalanche. So for all those reasons, I knew they'd come and they'd come quick. Yeah. I kind of had a similar, I was also buried in avalanche and I kind of had the uh, sort of similar like choice of choosing the like positive memories of the day wherein like there's a lot of visions from the day that are pretty like awful. 
Mm-hmm. But um, the one vision from the day that I choose to like stick with and I think of first every time I think of that situation was when the snow was uncovered from my face and I saw Adam Clark's face and like the look on his face and that moment and that feeling, I made the very like conscious choice to like choose that is what comes to mind first when I think of that day rather than the other parts of that day that were um, not right. good. And now, did they, did he beacon search you, or did he? Did, as I recall, it was a small pocket, and it was a small pocket over right. a terrain trap. Right. I was three feet under, and what happened is, um, it's a very, very long story. If anybody wants to learn about, it, they can go on my website blog. But um, Adam actually didn't have gear; he uh-huh. didn't have a beacon or anything. I was wearing uh-huh. a beacon. I had pulled an airbag, but actually, strangers came down, uh-huh. and they were doing a beacon search, and he just pulled a probe out of their backpack because uh-huh. he also didn't have a probe or shovel. Happened to hit me first strike because he had like brushed off a tip of my pole so he like uh-huh. kind of knew and then they just started digging and I was out quick I was out within whatever three minutes four right, minutes right. I, but I felt a probe strike within oh, 30 nice. seconds 40 oh, you know under a minute but still it was like I had to make a conscious choice to like think of like because that moment was the best part of it right and mm-hmm. like that was what I like kind of latched on to sure so kind of an optimistic view of it bad situation, but mm-hmm. I like optimism. I, I don't find optimism always very easy. I can be very cynical, so hmm. I can maybe. You don't strike me that way, but good for you. It's because I hide it okay. underneath this big <laughs> smile. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My smiling problem. Um, so uh, it's kind of a perfect segue. Every podcast we play a game called Two, two Highs and a Low, and so I want to know two highs and one low of the last year of your life. Oh, okay. Um a high was skiing well yesterday at the Red Bull Raid event. Can't be about skiing. Sorry, I forgot oh, that's that right. caveat. Yep. No, Outside I, of your you life on two I sticks. I said the S word twice now. Yep. Um, it's okay. I like cookies. Well, high. Yeah, from every part of your life other than that part of your life. Mm-hmm. So many of them have at least something to do with with the well, S word combination. What about a surf trip or yeah. one of the Baja races or mm-hmm. I don't know. So I'll start with a low. I had my truck and my player's razor stolen right in front of my eyes in Mexico. That sucked. Uh, I thought that might be your low. Can you elaborate a little bit on this? Because I've heard this story through a mutual friend, but not from you. Right. So I was pre-running for the Baja 1000 in November of 2018. And I, when I entered Mexico, of course, I bought insurance for my Polaris Razor, which we'd use on the trail, and then also for my truck. Bought an extra couple days because we didn't know exactly how long we'd be in country. Um, went and pre around the whole race course one and a half times, and then loaded up and headed for the border. On the way to the border, however, we noticed that these wind conditions were just perfect for flying off a mountain. So my friend Dano and I hiked up the mountain after locking everything in the truck and everything that was on the truck actually we had cable locks on it so anyway but got to the top of the mountain laid out our parachutes and we see a car pull up we're thinking oh it must be some other paragliders nope next thing you know my car's driving away just like the movie's gone in 60 seconds what so they just hotwired it is that like a thing yeah I, I believe that they were professional thieves and i don't think it's that difficult to start a 1997 ford do you think they were, like, tracking you or following you? I think that they were um, notified by the people in the neighborhood that probably see gringos flying off this mountain regularly. Oh. And I think that they, uh, you know, we drove by with a fully loaded truck, and um, they 
called in the banditos and said, hey, now's a good time to go. And so you're just on top of a mountain and all your, everything, everything's driving away. Cause you had like a bunch of stuff in the car too. Yeah. I had been on a trip. I was on the east side of the Sierras flying off mountains uh, before that. And so I had camping gear, climbing gear, paragliding gear, uh, skydive gear, wingsuit. I had a lot of stuff. And then, so uh, what? And, it and just... par- you know, laptop, tools, passport, every- I had a lot of stuff. What did you guys do? So we... Because then the essentially end, you're stranded, right? Yeah. We had phones and uh, Dan had some money uh, and we had our parachutes and that's it. And we went to the police station. Um, in Mexico. In Mexico. Filled out a police report. I was quite confident because I had purchased that insurance, as you might recall. Yeah. Yeah. Then I looked at my insurance contract, and I stayed a ninth day. Oh, no. So, so it had lapsed the day before. It, but it would have been totally covered if not. Yeah. So was, And you never saw any of that stuff again? No. And you never will? Probably not. So that was a bummer uh, because Aww. it was my oversight and my mistake, and I, uh, I was uninsured so just a big financial setback Uh, but you know it's material stuff and we are able to get back into the country I got back into the country with no ID Uh, and you know life goes on you you get setbacks from time to time and uh, that's the way it goes so and that was big red yeah that was big red Um, so that was a low that's a really wow elaborate low Mm mm-hmm yeah that one that's a low but Okay. Highs. Two I've, highs. <laughs> I've had some. Um, I made some really strong progress in my um, in my speed riding. I just feel really sharp. I'm really psyched to go to big mountains um, around the western U.S. that are enjoying all this snow base. Like that the we got. volcanoes and stuff, or eastern no, Sierras, yeah, or just everywhere. everywhere. Everywhere is good right now. Every everything is stocked. Cool. Um, Squaw, Tahoe, Utah, maybe even up there in the uh, Tetons or, um, yes, Eastern Sierra or Southern Sierra, whatever you want to call it. Uh, they're all there. I kind of have some mountains that I are within striking distance that are, that are, have piqued my interest. Um, so speed riding has been a very consistent high. I just absolutely love skiing with that third dimension. Oops, said it again. Yeah, you're um, cl- you were dancing on the line there. I knew yeah, it was going to happen. Yep. But, and okay, then, next uh, high. And then another high within the last year. Hmm. Jeez. I mean, I, I guess I feel really lucky because my life is, is, is full of highs. I'm stumped. Pass. Pass? Yeah. Okay, fine. Okay, fine. Um... Lastly, did you think of a story to tell us? I mean, you kind of just did tell us a story. I told you a couple stories. Yeah, but do you have any other stories you're planning on telling that don't have anything to do with the S-word? I can tell S-word? you a, a quick story, sure. I want to so, know a good story. In 2017, the Baja 1000 was it was the 50th anniversary, so it was an 1,135-mile race. And I, it's really expensive to do that long of a race, mm-hmm. and I really wanted to do well and finish at least finish i mean to just finish that is a huge an accomplishment. accomplishment and um so I, I i prepared as best as i could and i assembled this whole team and i spent way too much money and um finally you know we're 1100 no it's 1135 mile race we were just shy of a thousand miles into it we'd have been having some problems 
um, you know, our day had kind of begun unraveling at some point in the middle of the desert. We had to essentially weld the race car back together because it was, it was breaking in half. Um, but we did that and kept going. And then we had motor issues and this and that. And we were, in the end, we were just limping along. The motor wasn't working, but we were still able to drive. Well, it wasn't working, working properly. At about three o'clock in the morning, this is on the second night, um, our race finally became done and the car just stopped in the middle of the the race course. We weren't able to get off of the race course. So so then I'm waving people by that are coming along and this is a miserable part of the desert. You know, mm-hmm. this is, you know some parts of the desert are just awesome. This mm-hmm. is like cobwebs and litter and just mm-hmm. godforsaken spot. And it's three o'clock in the morning. Yeah, three o'clock in the morning on the second night. And I'm waving people by and then suddenly a car comes by and they're not heeding my my, you know, signals to go around into what is now an established track around us. And this mm-hmm. car smashes into us and, and his wheel goes rolling off into the desert. And I'm just thinking, man, what's up with these knuckleheads, <laughs> you know? And, uh, and they get out of the car. First guy, you know, normal fit looking dude. Second guy, I mean, he's got just, you know, these big, beautiful shoulders, takes his helmet off, this head of blonde hair. And I'm like, you kidding me? Laird Hamilton? No way. <laughs> and so at that point, you know, I've been feeling really dejected. Like I was such a loser and I was dead <laughs> broke. And, and I was in this horrible spot in the desert, far away from getting towed out of there. And then I thought to myself, you know, my best logic brought me here today. And it also, with this broken down race car. Now there's another broken down race car and another couple guys whose lo- best logic brought them to this exact point at this exact time. And I remember thinking, well, I know at least one of those guys is, is not a loser. So yeah. I, I felt a lot better about myself. Yeah, because Laird Hamilton was in the same position, basically. Yep, and we- uh, what, we, how, we why did, how come he didn't go around you? <laughs> because it's the second it's the second night of, of all-nighters. And, and, and it was actually, Laird was sitting in the shotgun seat, mm, navigating. That's but, so funny. Had you ever met him before? No, I never had, and we didn't even, I didn't, we just, it was just a, Racer to racer, let's get you guys back on the road. Um, he's very strong, believe it or not, and he was able to That's break amazing. this um, axle nut off with our breaker bar, and we got Laird Hamilton back out on the race course moving, and that was it. It was, wow. you know, there was no, hey, I'm JT, I'm a big fan or anything. It was just, <laughs> you crash into us, let's fix it. Yeah. And we got him going, and, and off he went. Um, so, but that was, that's my, that's my story for you. I don't think I would have expected the, that to be the person you said stepped yeah. out of the car. I got to tell you what, that guy, he's no joke. I mean, yeah. the amount of focus that he had to, to, to remedy his situation, um, and the amount of physical strength that he displayed, it was exactly what you would expect from wow. Laird Hamilton. <laughs> it's pretty, it's pretty cool. He's a, he's a, he's, he's a hell of a human being. <laughs> I mean, it seems never met him, but yeah, wow. Yeah. Okay. Well, on on that note, I guess we can wrap things up. Optimism is the lesson of the day, the podcast. Mm-hmm. Okay. Thanks, cool. Amy. Yeah. Thank you for being here. Where can people keep following you to uh, see what you're up to? Uh, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. I'm Instagram mostly. It's uh, at JT Holmes Jr.
JR, cool. JT Holmes Jr. All right. Well, thank you for being here. And thank you, everybody, for listening to the Long Underwear podcast. You can keep following me at A. Ingerbetson. And that's it for season two. We will be back with season three. And I hope you guys enjoy your spring, get into summer, and we will catch you next time on Long Underwear. This podcast was brought to you by Warren Miller Entertainment, who you can follow on social media at Warren Miller ENT to keep the good times rolling. Long Underwear was produced by me, Amy Ingerbetson, as well as Jesse Hackett and Jessica McGee from the Warren Miller Entertainment team. Art is by Barclay Wyrock and editing and mixing by Jason McDaniel. 